Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. Everybody say hid. The which when a man hath found, he hideth it, hideth, and for joy thereof goeth, and sell all that he hath. Everybody say all. Everybody say all. And buyeth that field. The kingdom of Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl, everybody say one. One pearl of great price went and sold, what's it say? All that he had and bought it. And for want of a title, I'm going to call this, this the pearl. Say that with me, the pearl. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word and your wonderful, sweet spirit we feel here today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, this would not just be the hearing of the ear or the seeing of the eye, but, Lord... That which flesh and blood cannot reveal, I pray that you, our Father in heaven, would reveal it to us. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. Before service, I pray that in this service, that the healer would send his word today and heal. And if you're in this building today, it has my prayer. I want the Lord to heal you. Whether it's in your body or in your heart, if you have been broken and wounded, I pray for the healing of the Holy Ghost. Because He is a healer. Anybody ever been healed in the past? Well, the Bible tells me that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. And Everybody say, and today. He is a healer today. John 14 and verse 1. I'm going to, we're going to try this again. Brother Ryan, uh, John chapter 14 and begin reading. I might stop you somewhere, but I want you to start reading in chapter 14 and verse 1. Go ahead. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, 
believe also in me. Everybody say, Jesus said that. Go ahead. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may also be. That You know what? That's a hope. Amen. That one day we will be, Je- be with Jesus where he is. Where, where he is. Amen. No doubt God is everywhere. He is a spirit. Amen. But there is a particular place where Jesus is physically in eternity. Somebody said amen. Amen. This building can't hold Jesus, but yet a body did. <laughs> Somebody say, I love Jesus. Go ahead, keep reading. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Go ahead. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way. Go ahead, stop. What did Jesus say? Go ahead. The truth. Yes. And the life. Uh huh. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Go ahead. If, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Now I want us just to stop there for a minute. Now this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Not just those that he fed the multitude with the bread and loaf. These were those in whom he specifically chose. These are those in whom Jesus would give the the principles upon which they would build the church. He was telling them things he didn't tell everyone else. The scripture tells us that when Jesus was teaching to the multitude, he spoke to them in parable. In fact, it says without a parable he didn't even teach. They, the, the disciples asked, why do you teach in parables? And I believe the answer to that is, you don't get the kingdom by observation. The kingdom doesn't come through observation. You don't get what you need from God by watching. Come on, somebody. You don't get what you need by watching someone else get what they need. It requires more than observation. You and I must engage ourselves in the process to get what we need. And Jesus speaks to these twelve. They have left their nets and their tables and their their tax gathering and and all the they, they they were fully engaged. And it was to those that were engaged Jesus gave this great revelation. If you if you have, you have known me, you have seen me, and I tell you, you have known the Father, and you have, that, that, that had to blow Peter's mind. Go ahead, read. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Go ahead. Jesus said unto him, have I been with you so long time, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, showest the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? 
the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Go ahead. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for my very work's sake. So Jesus speaks to his inner circle, and he declares to them unequivocally, if you have seen me, you have seen the very God. He did not say, believe me, I am the second person in the Trinity. He didn't say, I am only the Son of God. But he says to them, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. A lot of times people don't understand the nature of God because God, in very simple terms, is beyond your ability to understand. If you can understand your God, your God's not God. Right? We're talking about a God that spoke, let there be light, and boom, pow, kapow, there was light. We're talking about a God that spoke and there were there was the earth and the moon and just in a, a, a where the scripture tells us in just an offhand way and he made the stars also. An offhand comment, the unspeakable, unmeasurable, uncountable in space and all of its billions upon billions upon billions of stars. He created that, that God. That God that created all of that, He doesn't just dwell in creation. He dwells outside of creation. He doesn't just dwell in time. He dwells outside of time. I'm talking about the very creator of heaven and earth. And Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Now I know some people don't believe in Jesus and everyone, thank God, we live in a country you can worship a rock, you can worship a crystal, you can worship the moon, come on somebody, you can worship a dog, a cat, a parrot, you can worship whatever you want to. But if you believe in Jesus and you know what the Bible says, Jesus said, if you've seen me. Now I wish they would have told the council of Nicaea that. Right? Jesus is the visible of the invisible. The scripture says in Colossians that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the light. No man cometh to the Father but by me. When we get to heaven, we will not see three persons. We will see Jesus. He is, the Bible says that, that uh, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of their mind, lest they would see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so I, I want to declare to you that, that it's not hard to understand. The scripture says, great is the mystery of godliness. It is a mystery. But the scripture declares, God was manifested in flesh. 
seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, and received up into glory. It is mystery, mysterious, but we can understand the mystery in the simplified term God, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with Come on, somebody. And so I, I, I want to declare to you that this is a treasure. It is a holy knowledge that has been revealed to us. Amen. You can study the scripture till you wear out your readers. That's a lot of study. You can wear out your readers. What happens is your sight progressively gets worse. And you got to up, upgrade your, your prescription. But simply by reading, the kingdom of God is not just with observation. There is an element of truth that I believe God plays an active role in. Jesus said to his disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some They said, Some say thou art uh, Elias. Others say thou art John the Baptist. But Jesus said, I don't want to know what everybody else says. Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter, impulsive Peter, bold Peter, but also a man of revelation he says thou art the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus said hey Simon your name is Peter flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee but my father which is in heaven uh, what does that mean today it means that there is something when the spirit of God gets to working on a hungry heart what others can't see when they read it you see it when you read it because the Holy Ghost opens up that living amen piercing powerful supernatural word and though others only read the Bible in parables Jesus makes it known and real and revealed to us because we are in pursuit. Amen. How many of you are hungry for God? In John chapter 1 and verse 1. Go ahead, Brother Ryan. In the beginning was the Word, and mm -hmm. the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I want you to notice all things were made by him and not by them. Go ahead. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. Everybody say Jesus. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Okay, that's very good. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh 
Everybody say the word. The word. The word. Say it again. The word that was made flesh. The Word was made flesh. This is a revelation. There are people that have read their Bible a hundred times and they don't see it. The Word that was God. The Word that was in the beginning. The Word that all things were made by Him. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. Amen. It is important for us to understand that the greatest direction that leads someone to a false perception of the Godhead is when people declare Jesus what Jesus is not. Jesus is the Son of God. Can somebody amen? Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the great High Priest. Jesus is the great Shepherd. Jesus is the Chief Apostle. Jesus is the great Cornerstone. Jesus is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is. Huh, he's the Light of the world. Je I could do this all day. Amen. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the visible of the invisible. Jesus is the Messiah. The revelation that brought uh, the Jews to salvation is when the Acts chapter 2 says, and they were pricked in their heart. What made them to be pricked? Peter says, that same Jesus whom you crucified, God hath made him both Jehovah and Messiah, Lord and Christ. When the Jews saw that Jesus was Jehovah and Messiah, their heart was pricked and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? It was Paul, Saul rather, on the road to Damascus with letters to persecute the church. And there was a light that appeared. A voice from heaven knocked him off his donkey. He looks up toward heaven and says, Who art thou, Jehovah? Who art thou, Lord? And the voice from heaven, the Lord Jehovah, answers back and says, I am Jesus. A man went from a persecutor, maybe the greatest persecutor, to the greatest apostle when he understood great God Jehovah is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. Amen. I'm telling you, when you pray, you don't have to worry about offending the Holy Ghost or the Father or the Son because you pray to one more than the other. I'm telling you, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Amen. How could God save mankind when he needed an innocent, a, a spotless, a blameless man to die for their sins? 
There has never been a man up until that time that had not sinned, had not failed, had not fallen. And so he said, when there was no intercessor, amen, I rolled up my sleeve and I made myself a body and I put my spirit in it. The Bible says that the Virgin Mary... Amen. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her and she was with child of the Holy Ghost. Someone could say, well, the Holy Ghost is the Father and the Father's not the Father. No, the Holy Ghost is the Father. It's the Spirit of God. It's all the same thing. Don't be confused. It is simple. There's one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. Isaiah declared it through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. The Jehovah says, I am the Lord, and there is none beside me. Amen. This is really extra. I mean, I'm reading the scriptures, but I wasn't really planning on visiting this today. Amen. But it's in the word. Amen. This is something God wants you to understand. Amen. There is a clarity and there is a peace in knowing who Jesus is. Everybody say truth. Truth. It's mentioned 224 times in your Bible. It's uh, in the Hebrew, this word comes from a, a Hebrew word. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I'll try to say it, emeth, emeth, truth. And it means, means firmness, faithful, sureness, reliability, stability, continuance, truth as a body. Everybody say a body. Truth as a body of knowledge, true doctrine. I say truth. You know, you've heard the saying, one man's trash is another man's treasure. But I would say to you that treasure is only treasure if you treasure it. Treasure is only treasure. If you treasure it, the value is in the eye of the beholder. You know, we have heard today, we live in, in, in a world that, that recoils at the idea of an absolute truth. We live in a culture that is greatly drawn to and, and permeates and uh, heralds this idea that truth is a malleable malleable thing that everyone has their own truth and many times that thinking is is overlaid in their reading of the scripture and their discussion of scripture and I've heard it said once if I've heard it said once I've heard it countless times well that's your interpretation of the scripture has anybody ever heard that that's your interpretation the Bible says that the scripture is of no private interpretation. I heard someone referring to a man that's famous for incredibly false doctrine. 
I won't even tell you the doctrine because it's just diabolical and I think there's a spirit behind it. I think it's terrible. And when he began to tell everybody about this quote-unquote revelation that he had, no one agreed with him. No one. And this individual took that to mean it really is true because no one agrees with me. God bless that baby boy. Amen. All of us have children. We know how that is. Amen. I remember my babies doing that. They, they've outgrown that at this point. And we're thankful for that. Amen. Truth is absolute. I heard someone uh, I asked them to give me an example of something that is absolutely true. And they told me a good example of that is gravity. Every one of you, when I hold this up and let it go, you expect it to fall. In fact, if I let go of it and it stayed in the middle of the air, y'all say, Pastor Phillips is doing a magic trick. Gravity is no respecter of persons. This pen may have no knowledge of gravity. It may have never been schooled in engineering school and learned uh, of the bright guy that discovered uh, gravity sitting under the apple tree. He had an epiphany. He took what everybody knew and he made it really smart. Right? And it, it's, it, it's pretty amazing. Gravity works everywhere. It just... Uh, Depends on the, the size of a thing, how close you are to a thing, what you are in relation to the thing, right? That's some, that's te- you might want to write that as some technical, technical jargon there today, a thing. And, and truth affects everyone whether they know the truth or not. The Bible says, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen? And there are a lot of people, they may not know a lot of moral truth. They may not know if you do this, this happens. Like someone being on the roof and not being aware of the law of gravity. An engineer with a doctorate in gravitational studies. I'm sure that's out there somewhere. I mean, they study everything else. Surely somebody's got a degree in gravitational studies. It's probably rocket science. That's probably what that is. You can have incredible knowledge. You fall off the roof. It doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. You fall off the roof, you're going to break a leg, right? But someone can be completely ignorant of gravity, and they will fall, and it will break their leg too. And that is the truth in which I speak. I speak to you to tell you that the word of God, it did not come by the will of man. But it came as as holy men of God wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And that's why we say that, that all scripture is profitable for doctrine. I know some people want to say, well this is true and This is less true and this isn't true. 
But if we are going to take the Bible on its face and I choose to believe the Scripture. Faith is a choice, but doubt is a choice as well. True, the matter is, doubt is natural. I don't have to be trained how to doubt. I often have to be trained how to believe. The scripture says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Everybody say, by faith. I don't have a protractor, I don't have a calculator, I don't have some theorem or thesis or paper I've written or some uh, a collection of books that I've read. I simply have read the scripture and I choose to believe what the Bible says is true even if I cannot give a scientific uh, answer to those that seem to think they know more than I do. I know more through faith than the most educated know through their book learning because I know God. Amen? And I know that it's true not just through observation, not just because I have been told, but I've tried some of the science of the scripture and I found it to be true. I found when I repented of my sin, I got to feeling better. I have been baptized and I have baptized many people and I have seen a spiritual transformation and I know it's not the water only nor the uh, audible utterance but it is the faith in obedience that radically transforms a life. And I'm telling you when we choose to just uh, uh, put our reason and our logic on hold and say I believe God, when everything is against it, when the world hates it, I still believe God. I know that's simple-minded, but I'm not ashamed of being simple. This week, I, I, this past Thursday, I, I taught two Bible studies. And for two hours, I sat on the porch of a local pastor that, that is of a different persuasion. And we had great Bible study. And I showed him in scripture why I believe I, what I believe about some things. Why I believe. And I read him not one text, not two texts, but I read him text after text after text in the epistles, the book of Acts, and in the gospels, even in the Old Testament, text after text after text after text. But there wasn't enough text to deal with his doubt. Same day, uh, Brother Noah got here a few minutes before I did, and a lady that, that just recently moved to town, she had a friend that was witnessing to her when she lived in Colorado, and uh, this person was witnessing to her, and I got the idea, she said, I'm just not ready right now. And her friend said, well, whatever you do, when you decide to seek God, find a Pentecostal church. And so she was ready. She called and wanted a Bible study. I met her here, didn't ever met her before. Talked to her on the phone for about 60 seconds. And I looked at her, I had my Bible, gave her a Bible. Noah had a Bible. We were sitting there, I said, well, what do you want a Bible study about? She looked at me, she said, salvation. And the Lord quickened to me, not to teach her one of my, I have a lot of, I love Bible study. And none of them are short. They're all at least 45 minutes, maybe longer. 
but I have felt like the Lord said to me, just tell her what she needs to do. So I, in a, just a few minutes, we read John 3, 1 through 8, Acts 2, 1 through 4, Acts 36 through 39. And I said to her, you need to repent. And I said, but you've already done that. You're here. You're seeking. You're searching. You want God. You've already repented. God's already working in your life. I said, so you need to be baptized. That's what the scripture says. She said, well, I, I, I've already been baptized as a, as a child. I said, that's fine. I said, but this is a new day. It's time to get rebaptized. They rebaptize people in the scripture. It's time for a fresh start. We need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Okay, I'm willing. I said, and you need the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to say words you never knew. I said, let's pray. I don't know how to pray. I was like, okay, well, you just, I'm going to say something, you say that, and we'll just, we'll just do that. And she, we started out praying, and she was, I said, pray where you, I, where you can hear yourself. And we started praying, no louder. So I wanted her to have a conversational prayer so she could hear herself. And we began to pray, Jesus, I love you. I want you in my life. I want you to bless me. Jesus, I love you. I want you in my life. I want you to bless me. And we did this for about maybe three or four minutes, Noah is the witness. And I looked over there at her, and, and she's praying. Her face, you can tell she's feeling something, and, and her, her, her little mouth is quivering. And, 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 and I said, well, you just keep, keep, can she stop praying? Because, you know, people get the feeling of the presence of the Lord, they... They're, they don't know what's going on. I said, just keep praying out loud. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I, I, said, I said, what you're feeling is the Holy Ghost. And you're about to get the Holy Ghost. And just like that, she started speaking in a language she didn't learn at language school. She started speaking in tongues. And for 10 minutes, this woman didn't know, come here from Sikkim. Don't know nothing. Right? She had simple faith, and she experienced the miracle power in the Scripture because she believed it. And what I say to you today is the kingdom of God doesn't just come through observing and being an observer. We experience God's blessing when we commit ourselves to the pursuit. Amen. Everybody say the pearl. Amen. Now, Brother Ryan, I want you to help me. Genesis chapter 24 and beginning with verse 10. Don't start reading yet, but I'll get, get set. So this morning while I am praying, I'm trying, I like to have a Bible story to tell. I like to have something to illustrate what it is the Lord has put on my heart. And, and I, I just felt prompted, where is the word truth mentioned for the first time. So I did a little search in my Bible program. And the very first time the word truth. Is found in Genesis 24. When the servant of Abraham. Begins to praise God for his truth and mercy. Shown toward his master Abraham. This is the story. Go ahead. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master. So here's the deal. Abraham sent his servant to find a wife for his son. And he, he said, I want you to go find someone from the land I am from. And I want you to find a wife for my son. 
And his servant says, well, what if I go and someone doesn't come? He said, whatever you do, don't take my son back to where I'm from. And if someone won't come with you, then you're free of this promise. So after this conversation, this is where this starts. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose and went to Mesopotamia and to the city of Nahor. Mm -hmm. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a wall of water at the time of the evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. So here is a servant. He has ten camels. They have went on a long journey. They are all thirsty. And then the servant says, go ahead. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me a good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking, that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hastened and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. Okay. So here he is. He's thirsty. He asks her for a drink. He's prayed. She gives him the drink. Now watch what happens. Go ahead. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again into the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Next scripture says, she watered the camels till the camels were through drinking. Now I want you to understand, a camel, a thirsty camel can drink 30 to 50 gallons at one time. Everybody say 10 camels. So here is a young woman. Her only obligation is to do what this man asked. He asked for water. She gave him water. And while she is giving this man water, she sees, she looks up and she sees that behind this thirsty man, I can just see him. She sees ten thirsty camels. And I believe what happened is the Lord spoke to her and said, Water those camels. Now first of all, what makes her special is she had the ability to see what needed to be done. Now I know we live in a world that people seem to be oblivious. They don't even see what needs to be done. They do good to even do what you ask them to do. Not to mention that they would see something that needed to be done they're not even asked to do. And she saw ten thirsty camels 
which would be 300 to 500 gallons. Don't you think about that for a minute. She doesn't have a water hose. She doesn't even have a spigot. She has to go to the well, let down her pitcher, which I've read pitchers averaged about three gallons a pitcher. So she had to go. The Bible says she hastened. She ran. She ran. She ran to the well. She let down her pail. She brought up her pail. She ran to camel one. Three gallons. She ran back to the well. She let down her pail. She pulled up her pail. She ran to the first camel. Six gallons. She ran to the well. She let down her pail. Pulled up her pail. And then she ran to camel one. And she poured her pitcher and it was nine gallons. She ran to the well. She let down her pail, pulled up her pail, ran to camel one, poured in the water. She ran to the well. She let down her, and she, oh, she forgot to pull it back she pulled up her pail. She ran back to Camel One and she poured in the water and it was halfway. Man, I did good. You're thinking, can he do all ten camels? I can. <laughs> no, no, somebody said no. Honesty is a beautiful thing. I said that's work but because she was willing to do what was not requested but it was a prompting she had the vision to see what needed to be done and there was something inside of her that was willing to do what needed to be done she and a hundred times ran to the well, let down her pail, pulled up the pail, and took it to the camels. One hundred times. I did it five times. A hundred times, back and forth, back and forth. But do you know what happened to her? Because she was willing to serve in a way she wasn't even asked. She didn't just go the second mile. She went a hundred miles in comparison. She did more the first time, more than he asked the first time. She did more. She did more, not second mile. She did more, not out of obligation, but something inside of her said, I just want to answer the call of God on my life. And if it requires me to do more than anybody else needs to do, I have somebody to talk to. I've got this to do. But something in that moment said, what do I need to do? And you know the blessing that came to Rebecca? She got to be married to a young man named Isaac who inherited a covenant. His name means laughter 
And because she was a person that had a servant's heart that was willing to do what the Spirit prompted, she lived the rest of her life married to laughter and had the children of laughter in her life. Can I tell you the spiritual application today? When God gives you a treasure, don't say, I'm only willing to go this far. I'm only willing to do this. I'm only willing to serve God in this measure. We've got to have a heart that says, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. That is the pearl. That is the treasure that is worth selling all. That when we have found what God has put in our life, we must not go back to our old ways and deal with this new thing. But we must never lose the wonder. And we must never lose the appreciation that what God did for me a long time ago and what the Lord did for this young woman on Thursday. Amen. Every one of us must commit ourselves. Lord God, give me Renew in me the wonder. Renew in me the love. Renew in me the heart of service that I can one more time appreciate that I have been given the pearl of great price and I have even purchased the pearl of great price and it's worth everything in this world to me. Amen. The Bible says by the truth and can we stand together? The pearl. The pearl, you know, I, I, I was wondering and thinking about this today. Why is it a Bible doesn't say that a man found a diamond and went and sold all he had to have that diamond? I believe it is because you can split up the diamond. You can break up a diamond in microscopic pieces and use it to sand and grind down all sorts of things. But a pearl's value is only in its wholeness. Because per, a pearl, chemically, is just a form of lime. A pearl, if you leave it in a bowl of vinegar, it will dissolve. A pearl is fragile. And in, in its value is only in its wholeness. So when I say to you, when we choose to love God and love His Word, we must commit to love the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. If I was a long-winded preacher today, and I'm not usually, I was going to look at the, the chapter in Thessalonians, and Paul is warning the church, beware because some receive not a love for the truth that God himself would send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie and be damned that's a that's a that's a maybe one of the scariest scriptures in the bible that God himself would send a delusion because someone doesn't love the truth i've heard it said it seems to be so apt that deception and revelation have a similar feel because deception 
Revelation have sometimes the same source. I love the truth. I read it and I read it kind of as a, he, he in his warning to them, he was complimenting them that they did love the truth. That they were serving God. That they were doing what the Lord wanted them to do. But while you are doing what God has called you to do, and you are in the fight to stand for the Lord, a 